0: Well, hey, Grace Chapel, good to be with you all on this final Sunday of winter. Final day right here, okay? That's what the calendar says. All right. Hey, before we get to the message, I thought I'd bring you a little update on our next generosity initiative that we began back in January. You've been patiently waiting uh, to hear how it's going, so let me take a moment and fill you in. If you remember, back in January, we were casting vision for the next couple of years of Grace Chapel's ministry and asking the Lord to speak to each of us about the next steps we would take on our generosity journey. And on that final Sunday in January, we invited, we all had an opportunity to come down front and, and present our giving intentions for the next couple of years. And we were inviting you to uh, make your intention to give both to the core ministry and mission funds of the church, and then also to a go fund that would allow us to launch the Foxborough campus and expand the Wilmington campus and invest in others as needed over the next couple of years. So the good news is that based on the intentions we've received so far and our current giving patterns, we're anticipating a little bit over $9 million a year for the next two years to come in to support our core ministries and missions partnerships. And that's a great, great commitment. Now, we'll probably need a little bit more than that, but we'll trust the Lord that he'll bring it and the time needs. Um, But what it means is that our ministry team leaders, our mission partners here and around the world, gives them a great sense of confidence, knowing they can lead and serve joyfully and freely, knowing the funds will be there. So growing that foundation for our giving is just critical for the future of the church. So thanks to all of you who expressed your intention for the next couple of years to that fund. The not quite as good news is that the intentions for our Go Fund for investing in new campuses is coming in at, right now, a little bit over a million dollars. Now that's wonderful, but it's considerably less than what we were hoping for, uh, so we're going to have to adjust some of our strategies for the next year or two. Uh, we do believe we have enough to go ahead and launch the Foxborough campus, which we are preparing to do. Last week we introduced uh, Pastor Tom Boyclair to all of you, and he actually met this week with over 100 people who are eager to become part of that Foxborough campus. So they're off to a great start, and we're excited about that. We're we'll continuing to be committed to the expansion of the Wilmington campus. We believe that's the best way to reach and serve great numbers of people in that particular part of our region. Uh, But we're going to have to slow down a little bit on when we get started on that construction project. So as funds come in over the next year or two, we'll be setting some aside toward that construction expansion fund. And as they come in, we will be ready to go. And as soon as the funds come in, we can get going on that project. So we encourage you to continue to give toward that. Now, in the meantime, we're not just going to sit around. We want to continue to create capacity there in Wilmington and see that congregation grow. So we're going to be working along with Pastor Tom. Not that Pastor Tom, the other Pastor Tom. (laughs) Not the other other Pastor Tom who's in East Lexington, but Pastor Tom in Wilmington. We'll be working with him to uh, see that congregation continue to grow and be creative the next year or so. In fact, for Easter Sunday, the Wilmington congregation is going to be holding their Easter services at the Reading Memorial High School, because the campus there is just not really big enough for all the friends they want to bring with them to that service. So uh, we're excited about that. Now, the really best news is that we're seeing great growth in the overall generosity of the congregation. So far, over 850 people, households, have turned in intention cards. And they represent significant steps on the generosity journey. Some of those folks are beginning to give through Grace Chapel for the very first time. Others taking other steps of of growth. And so that's not only growth in giving. That's growth in faith. That's growth in commitment. That's growth in joy and freedom for, for those who give and for the many who will be blessed by those gifts. So we have much to be thankful for and much to be hopeful about. Of course, it's never too late to turn an attention card in. So we're thrilled to have 850 plus, but we're praying for 1,000. So if you continue to think and pray on that, and since you'd like to be a part of the church's future, we'd love to know that. You can pick up a card anywhere in one of the lobbies or through the church office, or just do it online and let us know you're giving for the next two years. Um, That would be great. So thanks to all of you who have thoughtfully and prayerfully entered into this uh, journey with us. And again, we are excited about the days to come. Why don't we just pause and pray for a moment before we continue? Lord, we can't talk about these kinds of resources and this kind of giving without pausing to thank you. We don't take for granted the great abundance that you have entrusted to us as individuals and households, and now as a congregation. Along with your servant David, we say, who are we and who are these people that we should be able to give as generously as this? We are an abundantly blessed people, financially, relationally, spiritually, and so we're grateful for that. Thank you for all those who have given before so that we can be here today, and we believe that as we continue to give, there will be more and more who will come to discover life with you for the good of the world in the years to come. So we pray your blessing on all those who've expressed their intentions that you would provide all they need to fulfill them, that they might experience great joy and freedom and faith along the way. For those still praying and thinking, pray that your spirit might make clear to them whatever their next step might be. But we are grateful that in the end we can trust you to provide all that we need to do all that you would have us to do for your glory and for our joy and for the good of the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several years ago, a woman arrived home in the wee hours of the morning named Ashley Smith. And as she was entering into her apartment, a man with a gun grabbed her and shoved her inside. Brian Nichols had shot his way out of a Georgia courtroom that very day, killing a judge and a couple of other people as well. Now, Ashley Smith herself was a, a young widow, a single mom, and struggling to beat a long-time drug habit. Well, in those terrifying early morning hours, not knowing what else to do, she began telling her captor her story. And at one point, she asked if she could read from a book that was changing her life, and it happened to be The Purpose-Driven Life, written by Pastor Rick Warren. She began reading with the chapter that was, she had read earlier that day, which talked about discovering your purpose in life. And as she read that sentence, he said to her, stop, and asked her to read it again. And she did, and then she said to him, what do you think your purpose in life might be? And he paused and said, maybe to talk to people and tell them your story. Well, to make a long and remarkable story short, after many more hours of conversation and, surprisingly, a pancake breakfast together, Nichols released her to go pick up her daughter. And a short while later, he surrendered to police without doing any more harm. Now, many of us are probably familiar with that story. It's been made into a, into a movie and all kinds of things. And I'm sure we are familiar with the Rick Warren's landmark book, The Purpose-Driven Life. To date, it sold 40 million copies and has become one of the best-selling nonfiction books of all time. Now, not for nothing, but do you see the picture on the front of that book? (laughs) Come on, all right? It's all about roots. It's all about roots. People like Oprah Winfrey and Michael Phelps and Jack Welch and Mitt Romney and even Kim Kardashian have named the purpose-driven life as one of the most important books they've ever read. There are all kinds of lessons we might draw from the story of Ashley Smith and Brian Nichols, but, but here's one at least. Every human being wants to believe there's a purpose for their life. And the amazingly good news of the gospel is that there is. There is a good And God given purpose for every human being's life, including yours. And discovering that purpose is what this week's Roots Challenge is all about. Now, if you've been tracking it with us, you probably noticed that we're skipping week seven, which is entitled Money Matters. Now, it's not because we don't think money matters. It's just that we did a lot of teaching on that back in the month of January, so we thought we'd spare you another sermon on giving this week. So you can appreciate that, but don't skip that chapter, or rather, come back to that chapter when you're done, because there's some remarkable principles there about about money that can change forever the way you think and feel about money. It is truly liberating, so don't miss that chapter. But this week, week eight, we're calling Shaped for Service. And I want to set you up for this week's reading by sharing a very simple but profound idea with you. You have been shaped by God to serve the church and the world. I just want to take a few minutes and walk through that sentence with you, show you where it's found in the scripture and what difference it might mean for your life. So let's jump into one of the readings we'll be looking at this week. It comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, and we'll be jumping into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He writes, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, It is the same God at work. So Paul's devoting several chapters here to the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, is the third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we turn to God the Father in repentance and faith and ask Jesus the Son to forgive us and lead us into new life, God the Spirit comes and lives within us bringing the very life of God into our lives, enabling us to become the people that we were meant to be and the people that we want to be. We really can't become those people by trying harder. It's not a matter of gritting our teeth. It's a matter of staying close enough to Jesus Christ in the ways we're learning through roots that his life, his spirit flows through us. And for that reason, the tree image works pretty good because you might think of the ministry of the Holy Spirit as the sap of that tree, which carries the life of the tree from the roots through the branches to the leaves so that the tree bears fruit. So there's a lot we could say about the work of the Spirit, but the particular point we're focusing on here today is this thing called the gifts of the Spirit. These are special abilities God gives his children to build the church and carry out his work in the world. And the first thing he wants us to understand is that every believer has been gifted for service. And so the first word of our idea today is that you have been shaped by God to serve the church and the world. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to miss this. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, the same God is at work. In everyone. And just in case we miss it, he says it again in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each one. So it doesn't matter how new you are to following Christ. It doesn't matter how well you know the Bible. It doesn't matter what you've been or done earlier in your life. If you have become a child of God through faith in Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And one of the ministries of the Spirit is to give you gifts for service. Now, every parent likes to think their child is a gifted child, right? Every grandparent knows that their grandchildren are gifted children. As it turns out, in the family of God, every child is a gifted child. Because the moment we come to faith and receive the Spirit, we are given gifts for ministry. But even if you're not yet a child of God, maybe you haven't yet trusted Christ as your Savior, you haven't yet decided to follow Him, you may not have received a gift of the Spirit yet, but you still have been shaped by God for some good and and eternally significant purpose. And that's the second phrase I want to call to your attention. You have been shaped by God to serve the church and the world. Now, the Bible tells us in a variety of places that this shaping work of God began before we even entered the world. David says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That's when the process began of God shaping you for a significant life. Now in our readings this week, we'll learn about the five different ways that God shapes us for ministry. One, of course, is spiritual gifts, which we're focusing on right now. But there are others. He shapes us, he shapes our heart, our passions for, for justice or for mercy or for children or for truth or whatever it is that stirs our hearts. He shapes us through our abilities. They might be natural talents like playing an instrument or, uh, or, 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 or working with, with our hands. And they might be acquired skills like like accounting or or carpentry or management, something like that. He also shapes us through our personalities, each one of them, introvert, extrovert, activist, contemplative. And then he shapes us through our life experiences, our our family of origin, our education, our, our travel, our health issues, even perhaps our tragedies. He's shaping us through all these things, like a potter, working with a a lump of clay, God is shaping us for some unique purpose. Now understand, it's a very dynamic process. As that wheel of life spins, as we make choices, as things happen to us and around us, God is working with all of them to shape us in a uniquely significant way. Now, I'm not suggesting that God engineers bad things to happen to shape us. God didn't engineer your parents' divorce, for instance, if that happened to you, in order that you might someday help divorced people. I don't think so. But like a potter working with, with an irregularity in a lump of clay, he's able to work with that thing, that irregularity, in order to shape your faith and to shape your character. And yes, maybe shape your life's work as as a counselor, perhaps, or as an attorney, or maybe as a parent. I want you to see it's a very dynamic process by which God works with us. There's a lot more we could say about the the work of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, but that, again, will be uh, something you're learning about this week, the many ways that God shapes us. So in chapter 7 here, Paul goes on to list some of the many gifts of the Spirit that we find in the Scripture. And we want to find a special gift as a, a special ability, a supernatural ability to serve the church or serve the world in a way that glorifies God. Listen to some of them. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to speak in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. That's just one of several passages in the Bible that talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Altogether, there are about 20 of them that are listed But most scholars agree that it's not an exhaustive list. There may be other special abilities God gives that aren't listed there. The point is, every believer has at least one of these gifts. He distributes them to each one. And don't miss the fact that these are supernatural gifts. It's a gift that takes your natural heart, abilities, personality, and experiences, takes those natural things, and takes them to another level of impact, of kingdom impact, of remarkable joy for you and for the people around us. We're kind of fascinated in our culture with the idea of superheroes, of an ordinary person somehow suddenly getting these extraordinary powers bitten by a radioactive spider, and a teenager becomes a prime-fighting superhero. There's something of that happening here. Ordinary people get gifted by the Holy Spirit to do things that are far beyond their normal ability. Now, case in point, I am a shy, self-conscious, introverted person put me down at a cocktail party, I can't think of one thing to say to anybody. <laughs> put me in this pulpit with a Bible in front of me and I can't shut up, <laughs> right? It's, sometimes people will meet me in the hallway and say, you have a gift. You're right, I do. And I take no credit for that. It's a gift that God has given me to do what I do. But the truth is, you have been given gifts too, or three or four or five, that enable you to do things that I could never do enabling you to do them in a way that has extraordinary impact on the people and the world around you. So as part of your readings this week you'll have a chance to take a spiritual gifts inventory that will help you identify your top 2, 3 or 4 gifts. I encourage you take that inventory. But don't neglect to read the other 5 readings. Because if you don't read those readings, we may create a monster. Because while you are gifted for the church, you are not God's gift to the church. (laughs) And the readings will help you understand you've been given this gift not for your self-aggrandizement, but for the benefit of other people. And that's our next phrase. You have been shaped by God to serve the church and the world. As surely as birds were made to fly... And cheetahs were made to run. Human beings were made to serve, not to be served. Remember, we're made in the image of God. And so we are designed by God to put other people's needs and interests ahead of our own. We are wired to give time and energy and attention to other people even when it takes away from time, energy, attention, we might give to ourselves. We really are made that way. Going through life, waiting to be served, is a ticket to unhappiness. We are our best selves and our happiest selves when we are serving other people in meaningful ways. Can I speak for a minute to my fellow empty nesters? and even to some retirees. God has not invested 30 or 40 years in your development to spend these years on a golf course or a Viking boat river cruise. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But for 40 years, God has been shaping you. He's given you talent and skill and knowledge and relationship and life experience and resources in order that now in this season of your life you might do something really significant with them in service to your church or to the world. While serving in general is good, we are particularly gifted to serve the church. You have been shaped by God to serve the church and the world. In this chapter, Paul goes on to, to compare the church to a human body and the members of the church to the members of the parts of a body and explaining that every part is indispensable. Verse 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I don't know if you feel like a hand or a foot or a toenail today, (laughs) but the point is, you have a part to play in the body. The body needs you. The church needs you. And if you ever lost a toenail, you know what I'm talking about. Every part matters. You have a unique God-given role to play in the life of the church, not just the church at large, but your church, a local church in a time and a place like Corinth or Lexington or Wilmington or Watertown or East Lexington or Foxborough or Amherst or your church, wherever it might be. This passage suggests that, that God actually places us in specific places church communities to play a particular role so that that church can function at full capacity. Which means if if Grace Chapel is your church, if you call this place home, you are not here by accident. God has led you here on purpose to fulfill your purpose. Which means if you are not fulfilling that purpose in the life of this body... We cannot function at full capacity. There, there are people who may not be reached. There are needs that will not be met. There will, is praise that might not be offered to God if you're not bringing your part and playing your part in the life of this body. So after the service today, You have an opportunity in the lobbies on all of our campuses to just wander around and visit some tables representing some of the various ministries of our church and and your campus in particular. Can I encourage you, invest a few minutes after the service today, to just walk around, ask some questions, pick up some information, and ask the Lord to speak to you this week about where he might have you to serve. But our purpose in life extends beyond just serving the church. It also involves the world, schools and workplaces, neighborhoods, and our city, our nation, and and places all around the globe. You've been shaped by God to serve the church and the world. And that's what we mean when we talk about finding your go. Now, your go may begin with your ministry at church and spring from your ministry in the church. But finding your your go is about looking beyond the walls of the church, looking to the world around and the unique contribution you can make to the work of God in your community, in this city, and maybe in places around the world. I'll be talking more about finding your go in in the months to come, but it begins here in week eight as you begin to think about how you are shaped for service you'll have a chance to experiment a little bit with your go on a Sunday in May, on Saturday in May rather. Saturday, May 6th is our annual Spring Serve when we scatter all over our region as individuals, as households, as a life community, and we simply serve the people around us in Jesus' name. And the exciting thing is that this year, we're gonna be joining some other churches doing that all across the city. It's called Boston Serve. And there'll be churches and serving teams all over the city, blessing the city in Jesus' name. I promise you, you will not only have fun and make some deep connections that day, you may actually discover something about the purpose of your life. I was speaking this past week um, Downtown to a group of business and professional people, and the topic for the evening was how marketplace leaders can impact the, the work of God in, this, in the city of Boston. so we we're talking together on how they can leverage their skills and talents and those sorts of things. and in the middle, the middle of the conversation, one of the gentlemen who was there expressed a little bit of frustration because he had gone to his pastor recently and, and expressed a desire to want to do something to, to serve the kingdom and And the only thing his pastor could suggest was serving in their children's ministry. Now, I happen to know a little bit about this gentleman, and I know that he's an entrepreneur, that he knows how to make things happen, that he can build things, that that he has connections and skills and resources. And so I can understand how he might have been a little frustrated with that conversation. And and certainly as pastors, we need to be releasing people, affirming their vision for the city and for the world and encouraging people to use their gifts and their skills and their vocation out there in the wider world beyond the walls of the church sometimes. So I understand that. But, But when this business guy told that story a second and then a third time, I began to wonder if maybe that pastor knows something I don't know. And maybe the best thing for that gentleman to do right now is to get down on the floor with a bunch of first graders and just serve every Sunday for a while and let God shape his heart for some other work he might do outside. Now, I have no idea. I want to beat up on my brother in Christ. He may be way ahead of the game in terms of all those things. I'm simply pointing out an idea that sometimes serving is just doing what needs to be done out of our comfort zone out of our skill set. Sometimes it begins right in our own church community on the floor with a bunch of kids and who knows where it goes from there. Well, recently the Lord called to my attention someone here at Grace Chapel who literally embodies the very message we've been talking about here today. Haley Marcano grew up right here at Grace Chapel. And uh, for some time now, she has been asking me about a chance to tell her story to the congregation. She's been working on it for many, many months and waiting for just the right Sunday to do that. Well, she showed me the story just this past weekend, and, and I recognize that in God's time, this Sunday was the absolutely perfect Sunday for her to share her story just as it is. She had no idea what I was speaking about today. So would you welcome Haley as she comes up and uh, shares her story?
1: Hi, everybody. Good morning. My name is Hela Vivia Marcano. I'm in the West Tour program at my high school. I will be graduating from that program this March 2017. When I was a baby, I, come, I came to live with my family. My family is parting to me. I love them, and, all, and, my, and my family was me. I uh, I learn, I am learning from my family how to be more thoughtful and, and to be nice and and Iwake princess. <laughs> In my family are my grandparents, papa and grandma. We eat supper with them every night. My mom is, is Vivian. She she sings me a song every night when she puts me to when she put me when she put when she when she put me to bed. It is called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. She loves me. My brother and my sister are Jeffrey 25, Kevin 16, and Janet 13. They all love Jesus, too. My Uncle Murray was with us and used to to babysit me when I was younger. My Uncle Joe Joe loves me and calls me a princess. He makes me feel happy and loved. My friend Kaylee... Kelly Darley gave me this Bible verse, and it is my favorite favorite one. I I and I try to remember it every day. Luke 7:34. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, bring it. Uh, do uh, worry today. T- today, trouble is not for today. I I got adopted by my family. My, I got adopted by my family when I was three years old. I started coming to Grace Chapel when my family. When, when my family, I was three weeks old. I, I, I was cool, and I cried every Sunday. <laughs> when my mom dropped me off in the nursing, my teacher, Diane Clark, would hold me every Sunday and show God loves to me. When I got older, I loved God so much. In Sunday school, I learned to read the Bible and sing worship songs. In middle school, I learned Jesus loves me and He wants to be my Savior. It, he died on the cross for me, and asked him to be my savior. I I was baptized in ninth grade, and in, in high school I want to be I want I want to show people I love him and want to do the right things for Jesus. I show people that Jesus loves me in them. I try to be try to be nice nice to people and try to be thoughtful and happy. Thoughtful and help people and have a positive attitude. I also like to serve at church. I used to sing on the high school worship team. I loved Sunday school, I loved Sunday school when I was growing up, so now I work in Kidstown. I want, want the kids to know that GD was most of them just like I learned in Sunday school when I was little. I also serve in a cafe, wipe off the tables so it, it is clean for the people to come and and relax and talk together. I I serve on the welcome team because I love I love, I love to greet all the people come in into church every Sunday. I know I will American sign language so I can greet them greet the deaf people when with hi welcome. When when they come into church, I serve at the Berger High School too. This year, I was a manager for the girls varsity basketball team. I want you to tell you, about, I want you, to, I want you to tell you my testimony because I love all of you, and I want you to do, I want you to know about Jesus. He He loves me, and He loves you too. If you, if, if you accept him as your Savior like I did, then you will, will feel happy inside your heart like me. After you die, you will go up to heaven. I will see you there. <laughs>
0: I think you'll agree that Haley has set the bar pretty high for the rest of us. (laughs) She's not only serving in three ministries here in her church, she's also serving out in her world, her public high school as well. But here's the best part. Haley is serving the church and the world in a way that only she can. And that's the final phrase I'd like to leave you with today. You have been shaped by God to serve the church and the world in a way that only you can can. There is no one else in the world exactly like you. God has been shaping you all of your life to do something good and eternally significant in the world and only you can do it. If the church is a body made up of many parts, then every part has to play its part for that body to be healthy and functioning and reach its full potential. Friends, is it possible that your church, that your campus might not be reaching its full potential because you are not playing your part? We are a better, more beautiful, more fruitful church because Haley is here playing her part. And we are a better, more beautiful, and more fruitful church when you are here playing your part. So can I encourage you again? Invest a few minutes this morning after this service and visit some of those tables. You don't have to sign up for anything today. Even if you're already serving, just visit, ask some questions, tell me about your ministry, The kid's town table has some marbles. I don't know what it's about, but just go there and find out, okay? (laughs) Just ask some questions and invite the Lord to begin speaking to you this week about what his purpose might be for this particular season of your life. Remember, you were made for this. And so you and we will never be all we can be until you are serving the church and the world in a way that only you can. Let's pray about that. Lord, again, we're feeling so blessed as a body of believers, as a church family, grateful for those who many, many years ago came together believing that you could do something remarkable here, and they formed a church, a handful of families. They had no idea what it could become, but because they did their part, these many decades later, we are here, and we get to do our part. We thank you, Lord, for the way you have made us, for this capacity we have for service and the joy it brings to us and others. So we pray, Lord, that you might get our attention, each of us, and allow us this week, as we think and pray and reflect, to know you leading in our lives, that we might find a way to give ourselves away in service to others, just as you have given yourself for us. And we pray this not only for your glory and for our joy, but for the good of the world. In Jesus' name. Amen.